Good morning, everyone. The Mary Griffith Show rolls on, brought to you by Refreshment Services Pepsi and Harvest Ridge Coffee. Remember, these beans are always hand-roasted in small batches, and uh, they're delivered to your business, like our radio ranch here, or you can get them at the grocery store, or I guess you could have them delivered to your factory or your business, wherever you want. Or just go out today, driving around, find a place that has Harvest Ridge Coffee. Lots of convenience stores do, so enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Joining me today, you know, yesterday I said, I don't have a guest for the Mary Griffith Show today, but something fortuitously will happen. I heard your cries of help. Put your microphone right up to your mouth there, boy. And get, oh, he's got to have his headphones on. See, everybody else just goes and they don't need headphones, but a good old radio broadcaster has got to have his headphones on. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Let's talk. <laughs> Rich Kane has joined our group. I want to get down to, because a lot of people see you on television every day, but they don't really know you. Uh, first of all, and foremost of all, you are known as the foremost Bullwinkle imitator in the tri-state area. Could you just start out with that? <laughs> hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! Hmm, don't know my own strings. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Now, let's talk about your your schooling. Um, <laughs> what's that guy? Mel Blank is uh is saying, uh, who needs me? I've got I've got Rich Kane. <laughs> let's talk about your schooling because I mean, obviously when you were younger, you were interested in weather, but I don't think you started out to be a meteorologist, right? No. No. So My... let's talk about how this all happened. Well, long story short, cuz you were very into music. My father was a concert manager, and he managed uh, classical music artists. He managed musical ensembles. He was executive director of the Aspen Music Festival. So, yeah, there was there was always music going on in the background. He would also entertain artists from around the world, you know, just to make them feel at home. So... Uh, he was involved in radio at WOSU in Columbus, Ohio. When he was he was studying, he majored in history, believe it or not. But he had his own radio program on uh, during the evenings. My mom was the librarian at the time. So th- that's how those two met. And uh, so I saw this picture of my father behind a microphone. Long t- I mean, I was young. And then um, my brother was gifted an, a nice radio from his uncle, and he left it on low volume all the time because pop music was prohibited in the household, except during certain hours of the evening. <laughs> so it was always tuned to WABC New York, big top 40 powerhouse, 50,000 watt blowtorch. That kind of got me inspired. But then when I got through high school and started going to college, because that was what you did back then, I kind of lost focus of that. So, What did you study to be in, in college? I, I wanted to deal with electronics, kind of like what I deal with now. I restore old radios. So, you know, it, it was kind of that field that I wanted to get into. But then my uh, journalism teacher in high school found out what the heck I was doing back then. I visited her one afternoon. It was at the end of class. She literally kicked my derriere and said, what are you doing? 
I told you to go to Broadcast Center. But uh, I'm not good enough, and, you know, and all this other stuff. She said, just do it. Just do it. So Broadcast Center accepted you via audition. So that was kind of a difficult accomplishment, but I was one of two students out of an ensemble of 30 potential one evening, and they only do it two times a year. And so I was accepted in broadcast school. And the rest, you you know the rest of the story. The rest of the story. And so our own Quaid went there, Sean Seacrease, a former radio announcer here, Uh, Scott Hardy, who currently is a journalist here, and an on-air presence at WTAD. They're all graduates of the Broadcast Center. Yeah, and Scott and I shared the same teachers. And it was painful. (laughs) It was torture. But we got through it. And then Scott and I even worked at the old location of WTAD, WQCY. And uh, Uh, so, yeah, that's how I know uh, Scott. At the Western Union building. Yes. Which, is that the tallest building? That is the tallest building. Yes, it is. The WCU building, the Western Catholic Union building, is the tallest building in Quincy. Right. And this building here, I believe, the Lincoln Douglas, might be the second tallest. Or is the Lampy High Rise? I think it's the third tallest. Okay, and with the Lampy High Rise? Well, Lampy High Rise is higher in terrain, so I don't know if it counts (laughs) Well, yeah. How many store? How many stories you have doesn't count if you're in the valley and yeah. somebody builds a one-story building on Mount Everest. They well, are the tallest building. Yeah, yeah. it's it's higher up on the bluff. So, yeah. so uh. everybody's got. But uh, so and Rich and I worked together for a short period of time. Yes, we did. So okay, so you're this voice, this radio voice, and how do you start your career? Uh, I mean, because you learned television broadcasting too, right? I mean, but you started in radio. Well, yeah, it was. I you you put the horse before the cart, basically, because a lot of TV people at the time were imitated by radio. They didn't know what to say. So, one of the exercises they do when they audition you to get into broadcast school is they give you an object. Like I was given a doorknob. And so the instructor said, and this is on videotape because they wanted to see what you did. He said, sell me this doorknob. And so I got into one of those late night, 30 minute commercial things. And, and that's what I did. It babysits, it burps your baby, it starts your car on cold winter days, but buy it now because it's only good till midnight tomorrow. And they liked it. Well, because you're a funny, uh, quick-on-your-feet kind of guy. I could ad-lib. Yes. I can ad-lib my way out of a blue jean pocket. Which is why the weatherman is so different than the news anchor. The news anchor relies on a script, may throw in a few, you know, things, but by and large, they're reading off that teleprompter and reading a script, whereas the weatherman, the meteorologist, the lady meteorologist, whoever is doing that, you may have some general idea that you want to go to this, this, this. I want to get high temperatures, tomorrow's forecast, what's going to happen in the 10-day forecast. But you don't write that down anywhere. That's not being no. scripted for you. This is all just stream of consciousness. And, and that's the amazing thing when people tour the studios. It's like, where do you, where do you read your script? It's like, <laughs> I don't have a script. And you're just in front of a big green wall 
Yeah. Yeah, because when you go to the TV studio, you realize that there's just a giant green wall. And so when Rich is standing there, he's not seeing anything on that green wall. It, you're seeing, you know, the highs and lows and the, and the five-day graph, and you're seeing the cold front moving in. Rich has to look <laughs> off camera at a teleprompter. <laughs> Because if he looks at the wall, all he sees is a giant green wall. But when I look at the wall, it, when I look at the wall, I'm actually looking in, into a monitor. Right. So it's the grand illusion. <laughs> it's the magic of television. That's why you can say, see this cold front dipping down here, and it always comes right to Tulsa, right where it is, and your hand always points beautifully to that. Thank you. Okay. Well, <laughs> Rich Kane, my guest today, and I want to open this up because I bet people have questions. 223-9300, 1-800-228-WTAD, 1-800-228-WTAD. We do welcome your phone calls if you have any questions at all about the wild world of meteorology. But we still haven't made the, the where did you make the, the uh, switch to weatherman and were you already a meteorologist at that time? Well, it, it, when I left WTAD, WQCY, I went to WGEM. I, I will give a lot of credit to Leo Henning and for Ralph Oakley for they believed in me. I mean, when I was high, going through the hiring process, I had interviews with both gentlemen, and they were afternoon coffees, and we talked a lot about broadcasting and, and theory. You know, what would you like to do, et cetera, et cetera. And so after I got involved in radio, I did uh, three hours in the afternoon. Uh, I was assigned the morning show as producer slash co-host. Then that grew to a couple of stints to fill in on television, do TV weather on the weekends. Then in 1997, uh, Tom Vodak left to take another job somewhere out of state. They asked me if I would like that position. So I accepted. I brought up the, the, the possibility of, of doing schooling for meteorology and being a certified meteorologist, and it was rejected initially. But then back in about the early 2000s, the proposal came on my table, and I said, sign me up. Because television stations were starting to compete with the idea, we have a meteorologist. Mm -hmm. We have someone who really is a scientist. Right. And you had the intellectual chops to be a scientist. You were naturally curious about that. And also, I know you enough, you're a ham bone and an actor at heart. And frankly, <laughs> and I feel this way too, like when I'm reading the news, and I'm just straight reading the news in the morning for eight minutes, I enjoy that because I feel like I'm informing people of what happened. But that last news story where I can, you know, add a little bit more of my own personality mm -hmm. or that talk time between the news where you don't have to take everything. I, I mean, I'm hoping you're believing when I tell you there was a car crash. You know, I hope you believe me when I tell you that, you know, it's fire safety month. And I want I'm not trying to lie to people, but if we exaggerate just a slightly, you know, during our talk time, it's OK. It's it's showing your personality, which is OK, but it's fine. The way I was raised. No. Oh, I mean, no, absolutely no, no, no. not. Journalists did not. I mean, you didn't even know 
I mean, there are people who think my father was a conservative Republican because if his friends were conservative Republicans and when he talked to conservative Republicans, he always went along with what they, I see what you say. I see what you mean. And when he talked with uh, liberal Democrats, I see what you mean. I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. And so he always played it really straight. And then when he in the afternoon, he started doing some radio right. instead of being a television news anchor. And he had to exert a little bit of personality, and it was difficult at first for I mean, Charlie Griffith to do that. It was difficult because I tried to get him to open <laughs> up a little bit and show his persona. Now, eventually, he warmed up to the idea, but he was not cool oh, no. with it at first. Oh, no. No, not at all. And I was the same way. And Jeff Dorsey one day asked me a question. And I looked at him like, I am not going to answer that question. Mm. And Dorsey's like, (laughs) you know, what's so wrong with giving your opinion about, you know, whatever? And I'm like, well, I I mean, I see both sides of that argument. And Dorsey's like, Griffith, what do you think about that? You know, and then I said, okay, I think it's nuts. (laughs) Old school journalists were taught to be fair and unbiased. Right, even though we know that we are all internally biased and we can't possibly be fair, but we strive to. And one of the right. ways you create the illusion of that is to never profess any opinion about anything. Exactly. You know, you know my father, do you love your wife? Well, yes, in about average, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, more, no more or less than any other person. Immensely. You know? Are your children... Uh, you know, gifted. Well, they're about average, no more or less than any other children. Always take the middle road. Right. Yeah. So somehow this weather persona got a hold of you. And that's how you've made your, that's how you became Rich Kane. Well, it, and my first radio job was at KRES in Moberly. They had, a, they were the first commercial installation of a Collins Cavora Stoppler radar. That was installed in 1984. I came on board in 85. So it's like, oh my gosh. You know. Equipment. <laughs> something I can tinker some, with. Yeah, something I can cook my hot dog with. <laughs> and so we were trained formally by Kansas City National Weather Service. Um, taught us what to look for, what not to look for, what's real, what's not real. And it was fascinating. And if the radar ever went down, we had a backup radar. It was what was called back then as an RCA AVQ-10, which is what you used to see on, like, KSD TV out of St. Louis, camera that had the little circle rings and the little yeah. sweepy bar. Yeah, that was... That we was had it AV- at KHMO, That was radar the AVQ-10. Weather. Well, you know who started KHMO? way back when, was my old boss, Gerald Shepard. Oh, yeah. Back in the late 40s. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a little family tie there. That is fantastic. Rich Kane, weatherman. I haven't even asked him a weather question yet, so I guess I better get around to that. Oh, stay away. (laughs) There, this is, is it weird what's happening or... Are we just making it weird because now we have so much more information and so much scientific evidence? I mean, climate change has always happened. There was an ice age, and then there wasn't an ice age. And we know if we go to Galena, Illinois, we can see where the ice stopped, you know, and said, oh, 
we'll start to retreat here. This is where the ice age will end. Okay. So global warming, climate change. Let's let's cut that down scientifically. Um, there are still some people who say that there is no such thing as global warming. And my reaction would be, well, there is, but maybe it's not going to last for a long time. We, I mean, what scientifically, what is your answer to people who say, oh, no, I'm sick and tired of these weathermen telling us about their global warming. <laughs> and my father would say, well, I can see both sides. But what does Rich Kane say? I, I say... We humans are curious, and we want answers to everything right now. Whether we have the ability to answer exactly. it or not. Exactly. Yeah. Earth's a lot older than we think. Well, I don't know if you're listening at Hannibal Grange University, 6,000 <laughs> years is as far as I'm going to go. Because, you see, I want to be fair and unbiased. So. <laughs> and I agree with I can see both sides of the argument. So, so you know... We're going through a cycle of a period of change that we can't recall. But big so deal. So we ask the question, what's going on? Well, let's find out. Let's get an answer now. I, it's too premature. Well, because just for example, in our own, what we call the United States, we have no written records back in the 1600s. I mean, we know there was a, a mound in Collinsville. You know, we know there were civilizations that were here. We know they were extremely scientifically advanced right. because they could get the solstice on a rock. You know, they could understand when it was time to plant the corn and not plant the corn. We know that they had a great deal of sophistication, but we're always wondering, why did Collinsville disappear? Why did the Pueblos disappear? Was it a weather phenomenon? Was it five years of drought in a row? We really don't know, yeah. but we want to know the answer. Why did the Ute disappear from southwest Colorado? Don't know, but they built one heck of a cliff-dwelling civilization, so we may never know. Like the answers, how many licks does it get to the center of a Tootsie Roll? To, to, you tootsie, know, tootsie Roll pop. Because we always bite. We have to have the answer right away. We right. can't wait and really see how many licks it takes. So, so how do you explain that what happened in January, where we were very, very bitterly cold for you know about a week? And it was really bitter. It was bitter, bitterly cold. I mean, well below normal. But isn't that what winter's all about? <laughs> well, not if we have global warming. <laughs> and now today, we're you know abnormally warm, and tomorrow we'll have snow in the forecast. Did you miss out on the lightning and the thunder last night? I went to bed at 10 minutes to 7 last night. I work in radio. I'm not one of these fancy television meteorologists that you know works 30 minutes one hour and 30 minutes the next hour and then the rest of the day we don't know what they do now i'll have you know mary griffith i got to bed at 2 a.m last night or this morning because i was out in my shop working on an old radio well that's your choice that's no, my I choice see that's... the thunder and lightning what caused that it was a winter storm no last night was well you could say it was a winter storm because it occurred in, in the winter. season of winter but <laughs> Oh, you got warm air that came in from the south and uh, meeting up with, you know, warm air rises. It meets the cold air upstairs. Lightning is caused by friction from caused by turbulence of hailstones. And so you had a couple of discharges. I mean, it wasn't bad. It dropped a little bit of rain and then moved. That was it. And... 
it's explainable scientifically, but isn't it amazing? Because we still haven't come to an agreement that there is a God. How did that all, I mean, whoever thought this thing up, whatever they were, they had to be pretty darn smart. You mean? God. Absolutely. Because it's really amazing. Before we even understood the scientific principles of ions and positrons and neutrons, we did know it happened. But again, we were always trying to figure out why. Right. And that's the, what is the, I'll leave, we have to take a break. What is the one unanswered question? This is very personal for you. We'll just confine it to weather, not why I didn't marry you when I had a chance. Um, Will, <laughs> what's the one okay. one undefined question that you have in your mind that you really hope they figure out before we have to put you under? I think it's really interesting to find civilization records being revealed because of the Greenland snowmelt that humans lived in the northern portion of Greenland. They're finding, Mary, all sorts of artifacts because the snow has revealed its past. So it's like, wait a second. And it's like, now I I just came across a paper not too long ago. Greenland is finally green again. So So that's a great mystery. And so at one time, we know that people that obviously you can wear skins and you can wear clothing, but at one time people found it to be not so harsh that it was habitable. And, you know, if we would leave no record right now, a thousand years from now, people would go, how did people live in Dallas, Texas? You know, now we've invented air conditioning and now we have wells to pump water. But when we run out of fossil fuels and we run out of water, people are going, how did these people exist? What civilization, what made them live here? Mm-hmm. It's too hot and too dry for there to be a town of 8 million people. What was it? And see, if we're missing that one little piece, well, they had this. What were these they- structures for? Yes, absolutely. What were these tall towers that emitted some kind of radio beam? Mm-hmm. Hmm, communication with the alien world. Rich Kane, my guest today. I can't believe you guys don't have questions about the weather. You can't leave it all on me. 939, we're going to take a break. We're head up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative, see what's happening there. But listen up. Quincy Medical Group has a cancer support group meeting, and it is today. And if you'd like to go and join this group, here's some information about it. We're back, Talk Radio 930 WTAD. There is a newfangled thing called the Internet. And through the Internet communication, one of our great listeners has communicated to me that they really love Rich Kane. And because they're listening to me, I guess, ipso facto, they love me too. But (laughs) one of the things, (laughs) I'll read that into the message. All right. Uh, One of the things that this uh, wonderful listener brought up was the fact that um, when people really need to know about the weather, which is Every day, because you're either planning something fun outdoors or you're worried, you know, what is going to happen? Am I going to get to school? Should I drive my car fast? Whatever. You've got to rely on people that are knowledgeable, but also can deliver that information without the sky is always falling. And I want to ask you about that, because one of my pet peeves is this. And it does. It happens in every station. It happens in Dallas, Texas, too, where my brother lives. I mean, I'm down there one time during the winter. 
And on a bridge is a news reporter saying, Dallas, prepare. The temperature will drop below freezing tonight, and ice will form on bridges. And they broke into, like, the Judge Judy show to tell me this. And I turned to my brother. I said, what is going on? He said, oh, get ready, girl. He said, it's going to get down tonight, and they're going to lose their minds, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's so unusual. Right. So, obviously, the weather, when it's unusual and even dangerous, you have a, a public safety that you must with the FCC. You've got to inform people. But um, how do you do that without, like, causing terror or causing people to say, oh, my God, they always say the sky's falling, so I never believe it. Because <laughs> you can be, it can be too much sometimes. And then you're like, come on. They said the last time we were all going to die in a fiery crash, and it didn't happen. I think it's a matter of a lot of people. People have common sense. You deliver the goods, let them deal with it, and you get on with whatever it is you're doing. You know, I, I, I don't hype. I don't get overly excited over anything unless it commands that that kind of attention. Well, you can say seek immediate shelter without screaming. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. There's a sensible way to deliver the message. And I don't pound my fist on the table to tell you to duck and cover because I can't make you do it. <laughs> Only you can prevent forest fires. One of the things that I find ironic in our business is I come in in the morning and I say, Illinois State Police and Missouri Highway Patrol recommend no travel today. However, Mary Griffith got in a car and drove to work today, and she made it. And and who do you think carries the programming throughout the day? (laughs) They're advertisers. Right. You know, and so I yeah. Going back to Charlie Griffith, our, you worked with him, I worked with him. He was my father, obviously. And he was a great guy. Dad would say, people would call the newsroom, you know, well, I, I don't know. Should I try to go on this trip or should I try to do this? And my dad would always say, look, use your common sense. If you've got good tires on your car and if you're going to drive slowly and if you've got good windshield wipers, this snowstorm is probably something you're going to be able to traverse. But if you don't feel comfortable, don't do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, because there's another idiot out there who could slide into you. It's not, are you going to be okay? Mm -hmm. It's what are the other people? It's kind of like having a high wind situation. You have to remind people in semi-trucks and high-profile vans, keep both hands on the wheel today. This is nothing to be goofing off about. You come around a corner, you're going to end up on your side. But if they're a professional driver, they should know that in any way, you know. A lot of people email me or they'll message me on social media saying, I have an appointment in St. Louis, or I live in Clayton, I work in Quincy. What's it going to be like? Uh, I can tell you that maybe give yourself a little extra travel time, have another cup of coffee before you leave, and keep both hands on the wheel. Right. I mean, and I'm not making, I mean, people should stay home. When the Illinois State Police and Missouri Highway Patrol say, if you don't have to travel, don't travel. That's if you don't have to travel. Every nurse is coming to work today. Every firefighter is going to show up. Radio announcers, we're not heroes, but we want to get paid. 
there are people who are going to be out and about. Now, I have resorted to walking to work after my car couldn't make it up a hill and I had to hike in the rest of the way. And I have gotten behind a snowplow and I've actually hitched a ride on the snowplow. So there are some extraordinary circumstances you wouldn't expect the average person to do. But this business of don't go anywhere or do anything because the weather's bad, you know, the weather's bad, relatively speaking, to our bad weather. Up in, you know, Nome, Alaska, <laughs> they don't say on June 30th, that was it, folks. Yeah. We'll see you June 1st. Don't go out anymore. You know? It's interesting. You, you talk about climate shift and, and all that. Um, portions of Alaska had the heaviest and the earliest snowfall ever on record last fall. Ever. And it's still snowing in portions of Alaska. They, the last several years, had a little little bit of a snow drought. They had mild temperatures. But last fall kind of made up for it. And, so it, and it's cyclical. We've it, had a severe drought, and now we're coming out of that. Yes. And a lot of that was because of those gentle winter snows that kind of piled up. It weren't obnoxious. We could get through it, but it came and it came and it came, and then it slowly melted. Yep. And that's what we need. What do you think is going to happen with the Mississippi River? I mean, I know there's been a prediction. I'm not aware of it. Are we in danger of flood this spring? <laughs> Any more than, I mean, uh, minor flooding will always happen. but The, the official, uh, as a matter of fact, I have a, a seminar next week. It's the first issued spring outlook with the Weather Service. Okay. Uh, I don't think they're expecting much. Minor flooding possible, like we've seen on the Illinois. Illinois is an interesting character. Slow to rise, very, very slow to fall. I call it a creepy river. Not creepy like in frightful it or scary. It No, it's <laughs> slow to fill and slow to drain. Mississippi, on the other hand... Pull the cork, baby, and it's gone. Yeah. So, and most people don't well, live the in the Illinois flood plain. Well, the Illinois in very flat areas, so there, it's not getting that rush of runoff. It's just like, we know we're going to lower elevation, but it's only a few feet lower. Yep. So we're just dragging our feet along on the Illinois, you know. It's also not... It's not dammed up too it's, much. It's not it's regulated like the Mississippi is. It has some dams, but it's not heavily regulated. Yeah, yeah. there's more dams on the Mississippi. Yes. And you a lot of people have said damn that. on the radio. Yeah, well, no, keep it clean. Okay, I got some questions for you. All right. What the heck is an atmospheric river? It's called the jet stream. But in California, but, they're having an atmospheric oh, river. Oh, the media gives it that <laughs> nomenclature. It's like the polar vortex. <laughs> oh, my God, the polar vortex. Whoa. That was one of my dad's favorite words was vortex. It's Whenever always... we go swimming, if you don't be sucked into the vortex. <laughs> so it's just a way the people get sick and tired of hearing about the jet streams. So you come up with atmospheric river and polar vortex. and It's like the Weather Channel making their own winter storm names, you know. <laughs> because they've got to do something. It's an inter- it's Well, I'm... yeah, well, this is what we pay you to do, you know, <laughs> so you do something. That was winter storm rich. <laughs> and it came to... Isabella. Well, but a derecho. I'd never heard of a derecho, and then we had one. Oh, it's French. Oh, I thought it was Spanish. Oh, it could be Spanish. You know what? Know. I'm going to ask today. I'm going to French club today. I'll ask. Is All it right. French? But, but why a derecho, not just a tornado? 
two very different atmospheric phenomena. A derecho is is a long duration wind event, straight line wind. Straight line long wind. It, it is not um, in in a funnel shaped form or you spiraling. know in that kind of spiral motion. So we often hear about straight line wind damage, and those are just miniature derechos. Because we're like, did, was it a tornado or was it? Well, thunder. Let me back up a little bit because the thunderstorm is the most efficient energy machine that Mother Nature's ever come up with. It takes the warm, moist air in, puts down cool air in the front, which is why, oh, that breeze feels so good. Oh, look out, it's going to start pouring. That's what the thunderstorm's doing. It's cycling that air. And when you get that wind gust, that's usually that cold air that is has nowhere to go. The updraft cannot sustain the the force of the cold air pushing downward. So when that upward motion gets relaxed, all that cold air comes rushing down. It can't help itself. No, it's because just hot air rises. It's the balance of nature. The barometric pressure. Now, I'm not a meteorologist, and I don't even play one on the radio, but I always thought that when the barometer was rising, that meant kind of you know clear or nice weather was coming. And when the barometer is falling, it means a, a, a rain or a storm event is coming in. Yeah. But you said not always. Not always. There, there's little give and take. It depends, you know, how much... Like the or the average barom- barometric pressure reading is twenty nine point ninety three, or ten fourteen millibars of pressure. So when it is falling rapidly, that's usually when you got low pressure approaching somewhere, or when it's rising rapidly, that's when high pressure takes over. Our fair weather friend, but there's some variability in between. It could. You know, the pressure could be rising slowly. There's not much going on. Why do they have such a weird scale? You mentioned the average is what, 29.? 29. 29.93, okay. hundreds inches of mercury. So on a scale of 29.93, you're only going to go up to like 30.12 and down to like 29.10 or something. I mean, why did it scale so weird? Why don't they have a scale of like 1 to 10 and so we could understand what it is, because nobody knows what it means, relatively speaking, when you say 30.12 inches. People don't go, oh, my God, the barometer's so high, because we don't know what's the maximum it could be. Is that during a tornado? Or? Well, Mary, that's a very good question. <laughs> I did not devise the scale. <laughs> but it's silly. I know. It's too weird. It's too fine. It's so You know, I don't want things. It's kind of like bobsledding. They're now down to a thousandth of a second build a longer bobsled run. I can't be interested in something that's decided by one one-thousandth of a second. I can't be. That's when they say time's up. <laughs> so why So why don't they, you know, that we could understand it more? I, do, I don't know. So we it, really don't care what the number is. It's just whether it's rising or it's falling. Yeah, and, and a lot of people can relate to this that suffer from some form of arthritis. Uh-huh. Yeah. I am, I am so convinced that that has a lot to do with aches and pains. Falling pressure rapidly, oh yeah, people will feel it. I'm feeling it in my right hip. 
That's why elders are respected by indigenous people. Uh, One more thing to say before I let you go. Anything you want to let the people know? No, I don't want to go. I know you don't want to go. You really want to be back in radio. The lure of that bright spotlight of television has ruined you. You never forget your first girl, Mary. (laughs) Although all of my old boyfriends have tried. Thank you very much, Rich Kane. I hope to see you again soon. Anytime. And uh, I'm going to look out for that atmospheric river and polar vortex. You won't catch me getting caught in those. (laughs) I'm going to be wise. Here's here's a towel. (laughs) 